If you have your Bible, turn to John, the 21st chapter. It's a very familiar portion of our Father's Word, and sometimes the profoundness and the depth of what our text is going to say is overlooked by many believers. And with the Lord's help, we'll try to find those depths and reveal them to you this morning because I think that they're very, very profound. John, the 21st chapter, beginning with verse 15. Listen carefully. And you all know the background of the text. Peter had denied the Lord three times. He had failed God miserably. And now he was on the wrong track, going the wrong way. So we'll pick up the text in verse 15. So when they had dined, Jesus said to Simon Peter, Simon, son of Jonas, lovest thou me more than these? He saith unto him, Yea, Lord, thou knowest that I love thee. He saith unto him, Feed my lambs. He saith to him again the second time, Simon, son of Jonas, lovest thou me? He saith unto him, Yea, Lord, thou knowest that I love thee. He saith unto him, Feed my sheep. He saith unto him the third time. Sometimes it takes more than one time to get a message across to people, especially people who claim to love God. Peter claimed to love God, but he's in a state, a backslidden state, failed miserably. But Jesus asked him the third time, lovest thou me? Stop anybody out there on the street and ask them if they love God. Every one of them Almost every one of them will tell you that they love God. But they use the Lord's name in vain. They curse. They're biased. They're prejudiced. They don't like people. They've got attitudes. But you go ahead and ask them if they love God. So I want you to see what Jesus is doing here. Peter's not getting it. Like all the people out here who claim to love God, but they don't live like God wants them to live. They don't get it. And so Jesus asked him a third time, verse 17. And he saith unto him the third time, Simon, son of Jonas, lovest thou me? Now look at Peter. He was grieved because he said unto him a third time, Lovest thou me? And he said unto him, Lord, thou knowest all things. Thou knowest that I love thee. And Jesus said unto him, Feed my sheep. Verily I, verily I say unto thee, When thou was young, thou girdest thyself and walkest whither thou wouldest. But when thou shalt be old, thou shalt stretch forth thy hands, and another shall gird thee, 
and carry thee whither thou wouldest not. This spake he signifying by what death he should glorify God. And when he had spoken this, he said unto Peter twice, Peter, follow me. When it comes to Christianity in America today, it's a shame how many millions of people don't have a clue what God is like. In a nation that was built upon godly principles, it's alarming today how the Bible in almost every home, with churches in almost every town, preaching around the clock almost daily through the medias, and gospel concerts going on somewhere in every state, along with revivals and camp meetings and religious seminars, everything happening all over the country daily, and yet God is one of the most misunderstood people being in the country. Got Bibles in every home. You got Christianity blaring four times, five times a day on all four corners of the country. And yet God is still the the most misunderstood being in the country from the top all the way to the bottom, from the highest authorities to the lowest authorities, to the most smart people to the dumbest people. I'm making a point. The biblical ignorance that is afoot in America today is frightening. It is frightening. And what's so frightening today, as a nation, over half of us are ignoring God. We no longer have time for God. We no longer want to be troubled with God. We don't even believe in God anymore. The deepest desires of our heart at one time in this country was much stronger than it is today. We had a desire to please God. We had a fear of God. We were careful what we said. We were careful what we thought. We were careful about how we treated one another because we had a healthy fear of God. But today, the things that are going on, the bold, ungodly, unthinkable things that are going on, people are just throwing it back in God's face like he don't exist. And all nations that forget God, the Bible says, are turned into what we see every day on the news. Be not deceived. God is not mocked. Whatsoever a man sows, that shall he reap. The deepest desires of our hearts ought to be to please God. So, I want to kind of dig down just a little bit and ask, what are the fundamental qualifications for serving God? 
What does it really mean to be a child of God? Well, there may be many which are incidental. A lot of them are ornamental and even useful, but there are a few that stand head and shoulders above all the rest of the fundamental qualifications. And in our text, our Lord is having a heart-to-heart talk with Peter. When's the last time you had a heart-to-heart talk with the Lord? I mean, when's the last time you really sat down, took a good look at yourself in the mirror, and you were honest enough to see what God wanted you to see? Think about it. And the first thing that God wants to know about any of us is Peter, John, Tony, Sally, Sue, whoever. The first thing God wants to know, the ultimate supreme thing that God wants to know about every one of us is, do you love me? Peter? Tony? Joe? Lovest thou me? And he asked the question over and over And over again, because a whole lot of Christians don't get it. That's the ultimate. You remember, Peter was on the run. He was away from God. He denied Jesus. His love for God fell apart. And for those of you whose love for God has fell apart, who may have failed the Lord, and now you're on the run from God, this text is for you. This text is for me. It's for everybody. Because God gives us a second and third chance. God's will for you and me is that none perish, but all will come to repentance. So don't let the devil continue to pound on you and grind you down when you fail. Why? Because your story is not over. You're still breathing. you still got cognizance. You're still coming to church. So don't let the devil ride you day in and day out. Because the truth is, you're going to fail. Because the truth is, the flesh is going to get the best of you. The world's going to get too much of you. So tell the devil to get off your back. Jesus asked Peter in John 21, 15, Peter, lovest thou me more than these? Three times Jesus asked Peter, lovest thou me? Everything hinges on our answer to it. Everything is determined by the degree to which we really love our God. The first thing that makes anything or any kind of a Christian A true Christian, be it a pastor, an evangelist, a missionary, a Sunday school teacher, a Christian work, leaders, whoever you are, it is not learning, it is not your eloquence, it is not our wisdom, it is not our organizing ability, it's not being a people pleaser. 
but a love relationship with Jesus Christ. The only thing that counts, Jesus didn't come into this world to start a religion. He came into this world to start a relationship with you and him. Religion in this country is a curse. It's a distraction. It's a deception. Just ask people, are you a Christian? Are you saved? Oh, yeah, I'm a Lutheran. I'm a Baptist. I'm a Presbyterian. I'm a Church of God. I'm a Catholic. I'm a Protestant. That don't mean nothing. Labels don't mean anything. What counts with God is Peter. Lovest thou me more than all of these? Nothing. Read the Bible. Nothing, absolutely nothing can take the place of that. All else without that kind of love for our Lord is nothing but leaves. Jesus, in asking Peter to love him again after he had failed, first of all, it's a beautiful thing. Peter was on the different road. He was out there back to his old occupation. He influenced a whole bunch of the other disciples to go with him. They were all going the wrong direction. And Jesus yells out to them when they're on a fishing trip. Hey, children, you have any meat? We fished all night, and we didn't catch a thing. And that's what's going to happen every time you turn your back on God. You're not going to catch a thing. You're not going to succeed in anything when it comes to spiritual things. And What did Jesus say? after they all abandoned him, come and dine. And the first thing that Jesus said, Peter, lovest thou me? Peter, lovest thou me? Peter, lovest thou me? What a beautiful thing. We've all needed in our lives, second and third and beyond, chances to love God again. Jesus is asking us to love him. He's not asking for something that's impossible. The devil and a lot of religious denominations out there want to tell you that you can't get free. You can't live the way God wants you to live. You can't live holy. But Jesus is not going to ask you to do something you can't do. What did he say to the man who had the, 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 the condition for 38 years? He healed him and then he saved him. What did he say to him? Go and sin no more. That's exactly what it means. You don't have to. You don't have to fail God. 
You don't have to follow the world. You don't have to curse God. You don't have to hate people. That's because so many people don't miss, they misunderstand God. Jesus is asking us to love him. And he's not asking us something that's impossible, but he is setting an ideal for us that's well within our reach. And to help us not to miss him in our lifetime, you know what else God did for us? He put eternity in our hearts. He put something in us that lets us know there's something out there that's greater, more wonderful. Put eternity in our hearts. He put that instinct of eternity. Not what the world says, eat, drink, and be merry, for tomorrow we die. After death, you begin living forever and ever and ever. But the question is, where? You're going to live with God or you're going to live without God? Think about it. God wants to love and save every one of us with a loving appeal, so he sent himself. Listen to this. God put himself in Jesus Christ. God came down to this earth incarnate and allowed himself to be born through a human woman, a woman. Yes, a woman. Not a man, not a mouse, a woman. There's only two genders, male and female. Take your clothes off and God will prove it to you. Be so stupid. Mirror, mirror on the wall. Oh, my God. This nation is in trouble because we got people who claim to be leaders, but Jesus calls them in his book, the blind are leading the blind, and they all fall into the ditch. Yes. Listen to 2 Corinthians. You talk about a powerful text. And all things are of God. Now listen. Who hath reconciled us to himself by Jesus Christ and hath given us the ministry of reconciliation. God was in Christ. God the Father. The creator was in Christ, reconciling the whole world unto himself. You, I can't comprehend it. I can't get a hold of it. I don't think anybody else can. But God actually came down and gave up his life so you and I would have life. 
Look what Jesus says next to Peter. The backslider. Look at verses 15, 16, 7. Let's read it. 15 again. Peter, lovest thou me? Feed my lambs. Peter, lovest thou me? Feed my sheep. Peter, lovest thou me? Feed my sheep. What's the second qualification that stands head and shoulders above all the other qualifications of being a child of God? What fully validates us as Christians and makes us the servants of the Lord is the sense of an ordination, is the sense of a call. You're going along, living your life, doing your own thing. Next thing you know, God puts his hand on your shoulder and he calls you. And except God calls you, nobody else is going to. Think about it. Have you noticed how disconnected our culture is from God? Do you know why? Half this country has lost their purpose for living. People no longer have that sense of purpose from God. They no longer connect with the eternity, that instinct that God gave them, that they can say to themselves, there's something more out there than what's going on down here. What's going down here is just a vapor. It appears for a moment and it vanishes away. There's got to be something more. And there is much more. And when you lose your purpose, then you lose your identity. God created us. And he gave us an identity. We are created in the likeness and the image of God. And if you lose that identity, you know what happens? The devil's got hundreds of other uh, identities for you. And so you start living after the world's identities. You start to try to look like the world, talk like the world, act like the world. You advertise their clothes. You wear their names. You wear their look. You wear their lifestyle. And all you're doing is playing the part of a fool. Have you noticed how bizarre and how weird everybody's looking today in our culture? You don't believe me? Walk into Walmart. You talk about a pool of Bethesda. Walk into Walmart. See how they dress. See how their kids behave. You think they sit in their strollers? Oh, mommy, this is so nice. No, they're wrecking counters, turning clothes off the racks, screaming, cursing their mother. The mother's cursing them. Look at how they look. Do you know what's behind that? 
The devil is trying to disfigure the image and the likeness of God and he wants his apex of his, of his creation to look like fools. And they do. And they're too stupid to even know what's going on. And then mommy starts dressing like a fool and then the little one starts dressing like a fool. And when you see all that, you know something's not right. Something's just not normal. We have lost our connectedness to God. Every institution in America, almost every important civil authorities, courts, high positions have lost our connectedness to God. The spiritual blessings that we enjoy today were handed down to us from parents and grandparents who knew the importance of transferring the things of God down to the next generation. And no cost was too great to pass it on, but today our generations coming up have lost their sense of call from God. That's what happened to Peter. Just turn to page... Well, look at verse 2. Here's what happens. John 21, verse 2. There were together Simon Peter and Thomas called Didymus and Nathanael of Cana in Galilee and the sons of Zebedee and two other of his disciples. Simon Peter saith unto them, I go a-fishing. They say unto him, We also go with thee. And they went forth and entered into a ship immediately, and that night they caught nothing. There are a lot of Christians sitting in churches who need to reset their lives. We have to understand that we started out as a Christian nation, but today half of America is losing their connectedness to God. And if we don't see ourselves being connected to something God is doing, we won't value it. We won't see the importance of keeping it alive. And we will allow temporal things in our lives to diminish the spiritual things. And you know what happens? We become nothing more than a church among churches. As your pastor, I have been blessed being in spiritual services with you, revivals, and next week camp meeting. 
Don't disappoint us and don't disappoint those who are coming that need help. And how many of you know that our special services are a time to recover and to collect some things that we've forgotten? Services are a time to recover some things, to call back into existence that which the church has lost through the cares of everyday life. People are coming to camp meeting because they believe there is hope, there is help, and there is encouragement for them. And none of us can do the healing but God. Please do all you can to be in attendance for both services daily, followed by wonderful meals and fellowship. Remember that the saints are called. They're given to hospitality. Remember who you are. Lovest thou me? First. Lovest thou me? Top of the rung. Then feed my sheep. Get a sense of calling. Get a sense of ordination. Get something from God. And then the third qualification that is indispensable to being a child of God, Jesus calls to Peter's attention in verse 19. Let's read it. This spake he, signifying by what death he should glorify God, and this is what he said. And when he had spoken this, he saith unto Peter, follow me. The third thing which makes a true servant of God is an obedient following after Christ, wherever he leads us. How wonderful. What, what time is it? They've got this thing here in front of me. It's 11 o'clock? Okay. How wonderfully our Lord opened Peter's eyes. Three times, lovest thou me? Then three times, Peter receives a new and a fresh call from Jesus. Feed my sheep, feed my lambs. And then twice, He says to Peter, follow me. Jesus was saying to Peter, I want an obedient following of me, willingly, lovingly, and daily. Because it's the Christian who faithfully follows our Lord, who receives the daily anointing with a heavenly unction and is endued with power to be witnesses unto Christ. 
And we all understand that closely following the Lord is not easy at times because it's so hard on the flesh. And right here is where the saints start losing the battle and they start offering excuse after excuse for failing to follow the Lord. But its rewards utterly outweigh all else. And the fellowship which obedience brings into our lives is the sweet presence of Christ which convinces the world to say these men have been with Jesus. There's something about obeying God and obeying God seriously that is going to project itself to others and they are going to say these men have been with Jesus. For many of us, this willingness to follow Christ closely is the pivotal point of our walk with God. The self-flesh within us will give us anything else but regular obedience. It'll give us money. It'll give us time. It'll give us comforts, etc., etc. Anything else, if only it can dodge yielding up our self-management and self-direction. Oh, how hard it was to die. And oh, self to crucify. We sing the song. But for those who can follow our Lord closely, there is nothing which can compare to the heartfelt realization of oneness with the Lord. You want to feel like you're saved? You want to feel like you belong to God? Then love him with all of your heart. Let him call you. Let him put his hand on your shoulder and call you. And then let him say, follow me. Now notice further the order of priority that Jesus uses to show Peter how to get back into the fold. Lovest thou me? Feed my sheep and follow me. But what comes first is always lovest thou me because it's God's order for everything to fall in its right place in our lives especially when it comes to separating ourselves from sin, Satan, and the world. When we really love Jesus as the first and dearest love of our hearts, then the pain of setting us apart from unworthy and questionable things becomes a lot easier to say no to the flesh. If your love for God is not real, try as you may, you're not going to love God. 
you're not going to follow God. You're going to miss services. You're going to miss camp meetings. You're going to do what you want to do. You're going to live the way you want to live. Somebody like that is not a Christian. They're pretending. Now, I want you to catch this. Don't miss this. There's so many things we overlook, every one of us. But let's catch this. What did Jesus say to the smart aleck Pharisee who asked him in Matthew twenty-two thirty-six, Master, which is the greatest commandment in the law? He asked Jesus one question, not two. He asked only for one commandment. Jesus said unto him, Love thy God with all thy heart, soul, and mind. This is the first commandment. He said, this is the first great commandment. But he didn't stop there. Why? Because he knew there was dirt and there was some house cleaning that this Pharisee needed to hear. Jesus goes where the need is. Peter, lovest thou me? Lovest thou me? Lovest thou me? Feed my sheep, feed my lambs, and follow me. And then he goes on, and he said, the second is like unto it. In other words, the second commandment I'm going to give you. You didn't ask for it, but I'm going to give it to you because you need to hear it. And the second is like unto it. It's just as important as the first commandment. Thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself. He hit the Pharisee right between his horns because they disliked the Gentiles. They disliked the Samaritans. They disliked everybody that was outside of the commonwealth of Israel. They thought they were the cat's meow. For 4,000 years, they were the people. They were the chosen people. They were God's special people. But they disliked everybody that was outside of their nationality. If our love to Christ is the supreme thing in us, then it should override the flesh every time. And our walk excuses to make allowances for being unfaithful to Christ. They'll all be debunked and exposed. If our love for God, and I'm closing, if our love for God is not real, 
It will be exposed. It will be debunked. It'll be proven to be false. And now how many Christians are trying to live the separated life because they feel they must out of obligation. That kind of love and that kind of service is irksome and it's wrong. But to live and to love and to live the separated life because we may, as an expression of love to God, transforms duty into a joyous privilege. This is the love of God. Then tells us in his word, proves to us this is the love of God. What is the love of God? That we keep his commandments and they're not grievous. That's the real love of God. Until we want the entire territory of our lives under the control of the Holy Spirit. That's holy living and being in the promoted, the promised land. And then we can sing about the promised land. You ever hear these people say, I'm living the dream, I'm living the dream? Everybody says, I'm living the dream. Why are you living the dream? Well, I got a new car. I got a hot car. I got sharp clothes. You're not living the dream. I've reached the land of corn and wine. Its riches all are freely mine. So you've got to answer our Lord's question this morning. You've got to answer it honestly. Lovest thou me more than these? Lovest thou me? Three times, lovest thou me? Do you really love the Lord? Prove it. Prove it. Feed my lamb. Feed my sheep. Receive my ordination. Receive my call on your life. Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these other things will be lived. I'll close with this. Revelation 14. The 12th and the 13th chapter tell us who are enemies of God. And it starts out with paganism. And then paganism, the dragon, gives his seat and power and authority to the next beast that comes up out of the sea. And that's the Roman. Okay? So you have... Paganism with a Caesar at the head. And now the system comes up and rules for 120 or for however, 1260 years. Papalism with a Pope at the end. 
And then uprises another beast, another system, another religious system. And it come out of the earth and it had two horns. It looked like Christianity, but it speaks as a dragon. Don't get carried away out there with all the religions. It was never God's plan. These are enemies. They didn't come down from God out of heaven. They came up out of the sea, S-E-A, Revelation 17. will tell you. And it, it answers its own symbols. Nations, peoples. And then this come up out of the earth. An earth with no foundation. And the dragon gave the beast and the image of the beast their power. Great seat. And then Revelation 14. Listen to this. And I looked, and lo, a lamb stood on the Mount Zion, and with him 144,000. That is just a symbolic expression. All of these are symbolic expressions in the Revelation. It's a representation of the 12 tribes of Israel. That's all that that's referring to. 144,000 having his father's name written in their forehead. Oh, their father's name? Yeah, what's the father's name? God. That's why you can read in the book 14 times unto the church of God at Corinth. What have you not churches or have you not food to eat and despise you the church of God? Church of God, the ground and pillar of the truth. One scripture after another. But you can take the Father's name. You can go out here and tell everybody you're a member of the church of God and you can be living a devilish life because you don't love God. Amen? And you're, and you're, you're resisting his call upon your life and you're not following him really. Listen, and I heard a voice from heaven as the voice of many waters and the voice of great thundering. And I heard the voice of harpers harping with their harps. And they sung as it were a new song before the throne and before the four beasts and the elders. And no man can learn that song but the 144,000 which were redeemed from the earth. These are they which were not defiled with women, for they are virgins. What you talking about? They're virgins. They didn't defile themselves. What you talking about? John's talking about the system of paganism and then papalism and then Protestantism. They're separate from all those people because they belong to God. These are they which follow the Lamb whithersoever he goeth. There you go. These are they which were redeemed 
and they follow the lamb with that whithersoever he goeth. And in their mouth was found no guile, for they are without fault before the throne of God. How about that? There's a bunch of people here that were redeemed and they were delivered and they were faultless before God. I'm just saying things don't get cleared up until after Revelation 12 and 13, and it's a series, seven series in the Revelation. You can't read it like you read a regular book. You got to read it a series at a time. So I want to answer our Lord's question this morning. I want us to answer it honestly. Lovest thou me more than these? Do you really love God? Hmm? Do you really love God enough to come to church? When the church doors are open, I understand if you're sick, I understand if you're work. There should be 150 people at least here every camp meeting. Instead of giving these lame and weak excuses. Lovest thou me? Pete, you lovest thou me? More than these? Oh, you do love me? Well, then feed my sheep. Let me give you a call. Let me touch you on the shoulder and ordain you to do something for me. Oh, and then after that, follow me. Follow me. This is the love of God that you keep his commandments. His commandments are not grievous. Follow me. Ask him. Ask him out there. You love God? Everybody will tell you. Sure. I love God. Smoking. Swearing. living just like anybody else is living that don't know God. You're not kidding nobody. You either love God or you don't. And that's first. And everything else will fall into place. But if you don't love God first and foremost and with all your heart, your mind, your soul, and your strength, if you don't love God, It's going to show. Because you'd rather sit home, watch TV, than listen to God. We're not kidding nobody. We either are or we are not. And you know something? 
When you love God, you'll love God's people. And you'll love the things of God. And you'll value the things of God. And you'll love revivals. And you'll love regular service. You'll love prayer meetings. You'll love camp meetings. Hey, Sally, Sue, Sam, Tony, Bill, lovest thou me? Oh, yeah, Lord, I love you. Well, what are you getting mad for, Peter, if you love me so much? Lovest thou me? I already answered the question. Yeah, but you didn't answer it right. Feed my sheep. Feed my lambs. And then follow me. Amen? What time is it now? What time? 11 what? 11.23? I broke a record. Maybe somebody here is away from God. Somebody here is having trouble answering the question properly. And God's given you a second and a third and a fourth and a fifth chance because he don't want to see anybody lost. Amen? I think a God like that ought to be praised, he ought to be prayed to, and we ought to be thankful. Because it had not been for his mercy and long-suffering, all of us would be lost. And that's why we have church, and that's why it's so important that we be in church. Because we want to hear what the Lord's got to say to us. Follow me. So I'm going to ask you to stand, if you will. Song leader will come. Maybe there's somebody here that needs to pray. needs to honor God, needs to answer that question honestly, lovest thou me? Yes, Lord, I love you. So as they sing a verse, I want you to answer the question, do you really love God? Do you swear at each other? Do you swear at people on the road? God bless your heart. Only you can answer the question. Only you. Because God sees your heart. He knows exactly whether you love him or not. Page 163. So let's sing. God bless you. <laughs>